about the wanderers in all gold and black You better retreat cause we're on the attack The strength of the wolf is the strength of the pack We're Wolverhampton, we're on our way back Well, hello everybody, welcome to episode 330 That's 313, it's the ENS Wolves Podcast. I'm your host Nathan Judah. Delighted to be joined back in the country and on the other end of the line. Please come in. Wolverhampton Wanderers correspondent for the Express and Star, Mr. Liam Keane. Liam, how's it going, baby? I never thought I'd say this, but I've missed Go. you. Oh, look at that! I have. Look I at have. That. It's true. That's the that's the homecoming that I wanted to hear. Oh, mate, I, I'd like to say the same. I genuinely would <laughs> love to say the same. And? But, but but 24 hours ago, I'm sipping a margarita in 31 degree heat by the Bellagio pool, looking out onto the strip. And I'm now sat in my dressing gown with full on pyjamas, hot water bottle, looking out onto the grimmest of grim in rain, cold, a little bit of sleet this morning. I said to you off, off camera and uh, off microphone... I'm not. I don't massively want to be here. I've got to be honest. I don't massively want to be here. Um, but I'm wow. sure that's the just just the allure of Las Vegas. And um, I'm I'm still a little bit sad that we weren't coming back and we can reminisce uh, from our trip. Uh, but but you know someone's got to stay. Someone's got to to cover the game. And someone's got to um, obviously get that house sorted out. Oh, it's yeah. No, it's it's nice of you to to bring that up. Um... Come on, let's let's so so for people who don't know, people who don't know, you know, you've had two weeks to listen to the last couple of pods. So if you haven't, then you know you must be very bored if you haven't had a chance to listen. Um, so I offered Liam the chance to come to Las Vegas. I said that I would pay for his hotel accommodation and almost take him to a show. You probably get a few meals thrown in there as well. Liam decided not to take me up on that. One because you know it's it's. Got to spend money when you're in Las Vegas. I said you have to speculate to accumulate. I also said to him that anyone who goes to Las Vegas first time wins. It's just a guarantee. It happens. So you'd be coming back with more money in your pocket than you would do going out there. But that's fine. Uh, two, you had a game to cover for the second week. You could have come out for the first five or six days and, and, and still done that. But that's fine as well. I understood that. But also, you said that you've been waiting for your house to go through and get completed and everything to be sorted out, which you've been waiting a few months for. It had been frustrating. But you were hopefully going to get an answer sooner rather than later have you got that answer mr liam keen we, we have we have oh, you know, are you been, in are you in is it nice are, are you are you doing this by by your, your long beautiful fur carpet with the fire crackling in the background well the long and short of it is that um the sellers decided to uh, to pull out oh no. <laughs> mate honestly i can't believe it oh no so we went after from, all that you know after all this, after all of the issues that we've had that were out of our control, where we, mm. to be honest, we should have been in in August or maybe earlier, and we've been waiting and waiting and waiting, yeah. um, it came to a head not with the actual decision, but with um, my solicitor uh, <laughs> early this the one, back, the one, back. the one who's in Leicester, yeah. Oh yeah, that one, yeah. Which I, which I, again, I'm not going to name. No, just yet. Please. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think back in the last week, early this week, you know, he was. 
not replying to emails or phone calls so I you know <sighs> rang him 15 times on one day eventually got through to him and gave him a bollocking oh um, did you I love that I love that <laughs> Had to, I'm afraid it had to be piece done. of your mind, piece it, of the Keen's mind. It was it was not going well. So you know, I I, I put the um, the scaries into him. That's the, the mm. without swearing. Um, mm. And thought right, okay, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll be on, a, on, here, a, yeah. on a good path, all fine. And, and right. don't get me wrong, this bit's out of his control. But mm. we then get a call on um, on Tuesday. Um, yeah, the, the the vendors really you know, want to apologise, but. Um, they feel like they've messed you around. Oh, really? No shot. Uh, um, but I could decided... have been in Vegas at this time. I'm waiting for you, you douchebags. But they've decided to take the uh, property off the market. So, oh, uh, as it stands, that, I mean, all joking aside, that's brutal. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty rough. So, we are, you know, we sprung into action straight away. Um, been checking out because we're having to sort out a mortgage offer again because we've been mm. ours is uh, running out. Um, real life probs. Real life. Real, real life, life issues. Probs. Mm-hmm. So we've um you know it's Thursday morning we're recording this we've already booked in a viewing at a house today and we're we're cracking on with finding the next the next one so oh, love it. yeah not great well, you might we're, find, we're you might find a better one you might find a better deal you don't know I hope so maybe it wasn't meant to be I hope so you know everything happens for a reason we're we're plowing ahead we're positive we've forgotten about it we're, we're moving on can you hear the hurt in my voice no it's all good. still you're still broadcasting from the end of your sister's bed it's, everything's fine I mean. It is incredibly accurate. I am sat on the end of a bed as we speak. <laughs> oh my Buzzing. god, mate! You could have been watching Katy Perry with me in Vegas. Nah, I'm not that bothered about Katy Perry. Oh, she was good though. Oh, she was good. Really well, good show. I'll tell you what I'm more into, which I've Rupa- I... RuPaul's Drag Race Live. That's what yeah, you're more into, which I went to go see as well. Very good. Definitely not for me. No. Um, what I'm more into is since you've been away, I mm. um, was very fortunate to get ahead of thousands of people in the queue to mm. get tickets for Liam Gallagher's tour next next year. So I'm I very mean, excited about that. I mean, to be honest, you ha- you do wear a little bit of Oasis kind of clobber. You know, you do have the old fur jacket or the fur collar, don't you? Back in the nineties when that was big, bit with of a kind that, of khaki green. Of... I don't mind it on you. Yeah, why not? I mean, I I am a big Oasis fan. I've never seen. Um, Gallagher live or any of the others. Um, obviously, is he any good? Live, is so. he good? Is he still good, or is he just? He's, he's, he's still just got the. Make... Still, his voice is still there. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be you know necessarily quite as uh, as good as it was back in the nineties. But um, so they're doing a they're doing a thirtieth anniversary of the of their debut album. Definitely, maybe they're doing a thirtieth anniversary tour. Obviously, no without 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 yet. half the band though. <laughs> yeah, okay, um, great. They're doing they're doing that. So we got tickets for the O2 in London baby, in oh. June. Oh, lovely! lovely. Very excited. Um, I, I, can I come? No, but you're more than welcome oh. to put me up if you want. Well, well I've got to say, at this, at this point, I, I don't want to be going to Arsenal or, or Fulham away and, and I rock up into Shea Judy, London, and, and all of a sudden Keane's, Keane's got squatters' rights, trying to find somewhere. <laughs> I, might, I might need it at this point, mate, to be honest. It's going, it's going swimmingly. Oh, dear, bless. Well, look, I'll tell you what was going swimmingly, um, and I watched this from the Vegas sports book. Uh, where did I watch it on? The Cosmopolitan Hotel. Um, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was delightful to watch. Well, the second half was delightful to watch. Bournemouth won, Wolverhampton Wanderers 2. And first of all, before we discuss the game, I want to give you, well, let, let's, let's go with the biggest talking point from the whole of the game. The most important thing that I'm wanting to discuss and obviously, a huge story come out of it. You, you know what it is, so I'll let you. I'll let you explain. What is it? What was the biggest takeaway from that game? Well, no, knowing you, it will yeah. be the fact that I saw an away win. That 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 was close. It's close, okay. but not, but no cigar. 
Next one up is mm-hmm. that Wolves won when you weren't there, so that means you're not allowed on the Ooh. weekend. Oh, uh, I, I like the way you're going with that, but already already seen uh, two more wins than you, so no. Carry on, next one, <laughs> next one. One more. I mean, I don't know if, if it's going to be a serious point. Then I'm going to, oh, I'll say Tommy Doyle, but I don't know what you know. I don't know what you're thinking of. You missed it all. You missed you missed the biggest takeaway. And in, in fact, I, I'm kind of disgusted that no one's even mentioned it on camera post match in analysis pieces in uh, in tweets um, and not just not just having a go at you, but but everybody who covered that game. For me, there was one thing and one thing only that was the biggest takeaway. Ryan Nori played 90 minutes, baby! <laughs> Celebrate good times. Come on! Unbelievable. 90 minutes. 90 minutes of Ryan Nori. You gotta love it, baby. Uh, no, joking aside, um what what did you what did you make of the game? Look, what from what I saw, and obviously in America you get to see the game, so it was obviously a bonus because no one watches them if you can't attend the game because no one can watch a dodgy TV and a dodgy thread and a dodgy um, you know link because no one does that. But it was nice to do it legally um, in Las Vegas. And um, first half was was a bit a bit meh. We've seen it before. I thought the second half, of course, the sending off changed the game, but at the same time, you still need to be. Uh, you still need to be clinical, Liam. And I thought that they adapted very well. I thought O'Neill adapted very well. I thought his tactics were very good. And they deserved to win that game in the end, I think, just. Um, but but obviously the result, I think, better than maybe the overall performance, but something that can take, you know, build on, on obviously Man City. And you, when you look at the table now and you look at the confidence and you look at the plays and you look at some of the words that are coming out, this is um, this has actually been a sneakily very good start for for Wolverhampton Wanderers. I know, almost out of nowhere, isn't it? Where mm. they've had a very difficult run of fixtures and there was low points. Losing at Ipswich from yeah. 2-0 up in the Cup was a low point. We're sat in that hotel recording the podcast and, wow. and it was not a good feeling around the, you know around that time. Um, but it, it's incredible. Not, not a good feel for the Mackies guy who served us either, mate. I mean, <laughs> no, he's lost his job not. since then. <laughs> it's um it's, it's incredible how quickly it can change with, with mm. games and, and performances, results and the overall atmosphere around the club. Um, Wolves definitely deserved to win the game, I, I felt. Yeah. I didn't actually think it was particularly bad first half. I didn't think okay. it was particularly good, don't yeah. get me wrong, but I yeah. didn't think it was particularly bad. Um, yes, it was bad defending for the goal. Wolves had a couple of you know, decent counter-attacks with very little coming at the end of it, but they didn't concede many chances aside from the goal. It was okay. It was okay. Mm. I felt that Strangely, Gary Neal actually got it wrong tactically to start with, but then was, you know, strong enough as a character and as a coach to be able to change it and make the spot-on decisions following that. Because I, you know, did have a few um, comments and a couple of tweets where people were a bit confused with the formation. A couple of people were saying to me, "Why are you saying it to four four two when it's not?" and things like that. Um, the only way I can describe it is I was twenty yards away from Gary O'Neill. Um, bearing in mind I could see the players on the pitch as well and see that they were playing 4-4-2 but I was 20 yards away from Gary O'Neill when a few minutes after the opening goal he screamed over to Cunha and Huang and, and Neto and said we're changing back to a five You're, you guys are a front three <laughs> so right. I, um, I I watched him you know, change it in, in real time in front of me um, and I didn't think the 4-4-2 worked you know, Huang was more central alongside Cunha. Aitnori was playing more as a as a winger. Totti was coming right over to the left side as more of a left back. It yeah. meant Neto on the far on the right side was a little bit deeper because he was mm-hmm. playing as a right midfielder rather than a, a winger, really. So I didn't I didn't really think it worked. 
they yeah. changed quickly back to a five that looks more solid defensively but equally I feel like eight Nori works better running from a bit deep and it just mm. there was a bit more structure to the side and then the Tommy Doyle substitution was was perfect the red card obviously played a massive part in, in the game overall and in the fact that Tommy Doyle was able to have so much time on the ball of course which is which is how he is you from what we've seen from Tommy Doyle so far that is where you're going to get the best out of him when he's got time on the ball because he's excellent with the ball at his feet he's excellent exactly. distributing it but that's where when you don't give him time on the ball then I think that we that he's got a lot of um, you know a lot of work to do on his game. But I think when you've got time on the ball, when you've got almost I'm not obviously I'm not going to say Jean Moutinho like, but I thought Jean Moutinho when he had time on the ball was brilliant. And I feel like Doyle enjoys more time on the ball. And actually at Man City, when you're whether you're playing you know youth level or, or senior level, you're going to have so much time on the ball. You you genuinely are going to have a lot more time. And I think that's maybe why he's more comfortable in that kind of a role. And of course, when you've got eleven versus ten. And and you're in the centre of that park, and and Jao Gomez has gone off, and and he's come and, and made a, a real difference. Yeah, absolutely. And you, I was going to say you can't predict that the red card's going to come, and of course it played a massive part in the game as a whole, but also the fact that Doyle was given so much time on the ball. Mm. But the substitution, regardless of the red card, was absolutely the right decision because Jao Gomez and Bukatrore, I like them both as individual players. It didn't work together, mm. and why? Sa- why didn't it? Why didn't it work? Well, this sounds harsher than I want it to sound because I genuinely like them both as players. I think Booba off the bench recently has been brilliant. I think Jao Gomez overall probably a steady start to the season, but he's had some incredible performances, some a little bit below his standard. But the reason it didn't work for me is that if we're being brutally honest, between the two of them, and probably more to do with Bubakar than than Jao. But between the two of them, there's not a whole lot of technical ability. Yeah. In comparison to a to Atomic Doyle, who right. I think his range of passing, his eye and vision for passing, even set pieces as well, he's a lot, lot better with the ball at his feet than both of them, but particularly mm. Bubakar Troyore. Now, I thought it was the right decision actually to take Jao Gomez off. He's been a little, he dipped a little bit in the last couple of games. I felt, spoke to Dave Edwards for the column about this the other day, and, and he felt that his former dipped a little bit as much as he as he rates him as a player and um, I think Wolves needed Bubakar Traore's energy in there and the two of them worked perfectly um, I mean we'll come on to, to, to this weekend I think Jalgo's probably plays again to be honest but um, for this particular game this particular game plan and the particular second half it was 1-0 down away at, uh, at Bournemouth I thought it worked perfectly bringing Doyle on alongside Bubakar Traore so I think Gary Neal deserves credit because not Every manager, well, I say no manager, in fact, is going to have 100% um, success with their tactics at the start of every single game. But there's a lot of managers who are stubborn and don't change quickly. Gary O'Neill recognised it was wrong, changed formation quickly, then made a sub at half-time quickly. And that, for me, alongside the performances from the players, of course, that, for me, won Wolves the game. And I felt they deserved it. They were patient in the second half when... You know, against against ten men, it can be difficult to break down. Wolves in the past probably would never have scored in that second half, but they were patient. They moved the ball quickly around the box, and they found and created quite a few good chances. And then, and then the winning goal itself was a, was a brilliant moment. Yeah, um, a couple of points I want to make um, on the second half, um, and agree or disagree with me, as you see fit, Liam. Um, first of all, it sounds it sounds a bit silly, but. This is probably my favourite Matthias Cunha goal since he's arrived at Wolverhampton Wanderers. And I'll tell you why. It was clinical. It was 
it was what he's in that team for. We obviously know he's got ability. We obviously know the role he's got to play in this side. That he's not an out-and-out number nine. We've discussed this at length many times. And, and part of that, yes, maybe we feel like he could get on the end of things a little bit more. But also, he has got a role to play where he brings the ball in. He, he obviously brings Huang and, and Pedro Neto into the game. But I thought for that goal, Liam, it was clinical. It was a great breakaway. It was crisp passing. And Cunha finished it with a plum. It was the ease of the finish, really. You know, you see him sometimes snapping at, at chances or even laying the ball off. The fact that he was so direct and the move was so, was so crisp was, was something that I really enjoyed. And I thought that actually... Um, that will give him so much confidence going forward. Go and shoot. Go back your ability. And that's the kind of play that I think when Wolves paid 40-odd million pounds for him plus, you want you want someone obviously who's technically great, as you're going to get with a Brazilian international, but also someone who's got an eye for goal. And I thought that was, a, that was a brilliant move and probably didn't get the credit it deserved at the time, but a fabulous move for Wolves for the first. The second thing, um, and you probably have a little bit more insight into this, Liam, but... I did like, even though Totti came off and Sarabi didn't really have an issue and didn't really have a massive impact on the game. We're going to discuss Sarabia, I think, later on. There's a few questions about Sarabia. But the fact that it was 1-1, the fact that they changed it, the fact that O'Neill wanted to go for the win, he wanted to get that extra attacker on, you know, bring Ryan Aitnori back into, into left-back and, and take Totti off and really go for those points. Whereas, perhaps... You know, other managers in the past will be like, well, we could still win this game, but let's let's keep it as it is. We've equalised. But, you know, he took the other route to, to go to go a little bit more attacking and to put the pressure on Bournemouth and, and it paid dividend in the end. Yeah, just on that point quickly, the, the red mm. card, of course, would have played a, a part in him sure. going, going for it. And to be honest, there'll be times this season when he will go for it and it won't work out. Yeah. But I don't mind that if Wolves are going to have a go. Agreed. I think the Brighton game was a good example of that. Wolves were quite aggressive and they got picked off because they allowed Brighton the spaces to to hurt them. So, interestingly enough, actually, Gary Neville spoke about that recently with us in a, in a press conference and said, you know, he yeah, maybe was a little bit too gung-ho in that game and has learnt from it. And, and um, I, I thought it was quite a nice reflection from him actually a few weeks down the line. So, I think... Yes, it probably won't work in future games. Wolves may maybe get will we'll, we'll get stung at the end in future games this season, and there will be bad times this season. Don't get me wrong; of course they will. But I like the fact that he went for it, and I like the fact that he got you know he he got the rewards for it really because Wolves deserve to win with their approach to the game overall, but particularly in that second half. And then on Cunha, as you mentioned, yeah, I really hope this is a bit of a springboard for him because I watched that first half. And he mm. was quite poor, to be honest. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He really was. He, he he cut a very frustrated figure. He was in the refs here constantly. He got booked. Um, I forget whether it was for the foul or whether it was for dissent, but either way, he got it booked. Dissent, it was, yeah. yeah, it was a bit of a silly booking at the time. Yeah. And there was a moment which really summed up his first half for me when Neto played the ball into him inside the box. And don't get me wrong, it wasn't a clear-cut, you know, should be scoring from this kind of sure. position, but it was an opportunity to at least test the goalkeeper the ball comes across. It's it's probably a left-footed shot, which maybe put, puts him off slightly. But even if you go across the goalkeeper and if you don't score, mm. then perhaps a Huang or a Neto coming in have got an opportunity on the rebound. You know, Anything can happen from taking aim. And at that kind of opportunity, he had a chance. The first thing he did as the ball comes across onto his left foot, he cut a pass back in to try and find Neto and, and yeah. the chance was gone. Mm. That summed up the, set, the first half for me with... Cunha's performance but also for him in a wolf shirt to be honest because I like a lot of what he brings and a lot of him in the last few weeks he's been a bit of an unsung hero because mm -hmm. he's linked 
play really nicely to allow Huang and Neto to flourish, but he's also done a lot of tactical dirty work, i.e., you know, uh, hounding Kovacic against uh, against City. Well, and, I think Gary um, O'Neill's sung his praises, hasn't he? I mean, he's he an unsung hero, but I think that he's been very strong on the role that Cunha has had to do, and maybe he can see the narrative from externally that that people are looking at goals to games and 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 the money, and he kind of had to defend him a little bit and also discuss. Um, and maybe go a little bit more more than he wanted to from an insight point of view into the role that he's been asked to do in this side. But at the same time, Liam, you're a centre forward. You are going to be judged on on goals. You know you can't carry on doing this and and have five goals at the end of the season. You need to you need to score, and that's his third of the goal of the season, second of the season now. That's a great question. I should know the answer. <laughs> uh, let's find out because he scored against Palace, didn't he? Scored at um, Palace. Yeah, maybe it's the second of the season. I, I can't I think remember it might another be second, one. But, I don't think yeah. he scored in the cups, did he? But so. that was obviously very much an in vain, in vain goal. This would this yeah. obviously had a lot more uh, importance to yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. No, it, it is his second. I just uh, just double checked. So yeah, um, no, no, you are spot on. I think you have to give him praise for the role he has been doing. But equally, it's so frustrating seeing the ball fall to him and him not take the opportunity to shoot. Now taking that into the goal and, and you're right about the move I mean again we've spoken about Tommy Doyle already but that pass into Neto mm-hmm. looks really simple yeah. when you're watching it and it is incredibly difficult to do when you're mm-hmm. actually on the pitch mm-hmm. because he's threaded it between the midfield it's taken a whole bank of Bournemouth's midfield out of the game completely and then Neto's you know aggressive directness with the ball set up the goal for, for Cooney to, 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 to take the shot. So the whole move from, from Doyle forward was was brilliant. But the fact that we're talking about Cooney being frustrating and not taking a shot, not being aggressive enough in front of goal, but then the goal comes from him taking a shot first time and it's a brilliant shot, I would hope will give him the kind of confidence he needs to say, right, when I do take aim, these things can happen. And... In his defence again, slightly, and this is a point that Gary O'Neill made, um, I think, with the Monday Night Football thing and a couple of other things um, recently, where you look at some of the areas Cooney has been getting into. He has been getting in between the posts, in the box, a lot more than he has <coughs> been previously for Wolves. The, yeah. goal, the goal against Palace was him in the box, in between the goal, and the cross comes in and he heads it. So I think, hopefully in time this season, that will start to pay dividends. Um, I'm just glad he got the goal at the time he did because he was so frustrated first half. He looked angry coming out for the second half and, and Dan Bentley had to have a you know quite a, a big pep talk with him going out for the second half, which clearly worked. Two minutes later, he equalised and um, I'm just hoping the timing will, will be will be perfect for Cunha. Yeah. Um, last thing um, on the game for me, uh, obviously, Sasha, you, you, I mean, you got your moment, mate. You got your moment, 86th minute or whatever. Not quite... An 88. Everton, eighty-eight, not quite an Everton, or you know, or, or maybe maybe a maybe a Jao Gomez or anything like that. But still, I thought great scenes, fantastic end to the game. And look, you know, Sasha Kalajic is someone who I think Gary Neal has been quite strong on, saying that he's not quite ready for a start yet. He's probably needs to to have more minutes, and it's an that's an interesting conversation, maybe one for another day. Uh, but what? you can say is the impact he's had to hit the back of the net twice in games where Wolves were level to get three points. I mean, that's plus four points, plus two at Everton, plus two here. And that's that's huge. And, you know, whether you're starting a game or coming off the bench or, 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 or cutting a frustrated figure not, not coming on, the impact that he has made in his, in his short time on the pitch has been huge for Wolves. You know, you look at 
goals to game or points to game and, and, and the amount of millions of pounds that are spent to get points. I tell you what, that is plus four points is massive when it comes to differentials. Absolutely. And look at the opposition as well, winning away at Everton and away mm. at Bournemouth. It's not yeah. just the points, it's who you're beating. Um, very good Clyde, point. Has, has handed Wolves two very, very important wins. Um, and one in Bournemouth, I feel they deserved, obviously. I wasn't at Everton, but I, you know, from what I watched and what I was told, wasn't the best performance. No, no. So, um, but you, you know, you look at Kalajic, and, and to be honest, Gary Neal's got some good points because he's come back from a very serious injury, and you look at him in that Ipswich game, which was the one that Gary Neal was sort of referring to quite heavily in in some of the the strong responses to some of the questions I asked about Kalajic, but he was struggling after 55, 60 minutes in that game and needed to come off. Does that mean he can start a Premier League game? I mean, I suppose it does, but he's coming off at anywhere between half-time and 65 probably, isn't he? Um, yeah. However, every week, he's getting there, slowly. I, I, you know, He will start a game for Wolves in the Premier League this season at some point, I'm sure of it. I don't think it'll be any time soon, but if he's making that kind of impact from the bench, then albeit he'll be disappointed not playing more, but for Wolves it hardly matters. And look at the the, the goal itself and, and where it came from. Yes, it was a mistake from Bournemouth, uh, the... Their goalkeeper Neto was it was a terrible pass out to Billing, Billing even asking for the ball, wanting it, and then his turn and attempt to go forward was pretty poor as well on his part. But that would have made very little difference had Kalajic not pressed, had he not won the ball, had the ball not been played to Huang, had Huang not then played an exquisite pass. I thought I thought it's in fact gone mm. a little bit under the radar actually because of what happened. Um, with the whole game and the way that Wolves won it and the fact that Huang was a little bit quieter than he has been in previous weeks. Mm-hmm. But that pass was absolutely wonderful, I thought. I thought it was so clever. And then the finish, cool karma collected, slot it into the bottom corner, so easy. So I thought just the, the manner of the goal itself, as well as um, at starting from Klajic pressing and putting the effort in, was testament to hopefully where he's getting to and, uh, and what we'll see from him, from him going forward this season. Good stuff, mate. Um... Before going to the the table, talked a little little bit about it earlier. I mean, Gary O'Neill, you you talk about our podcast at Ipswich and let's be honest, some of the the knives were out for for Gary O'Neill early on into into his tenure, whether that was the right or the wrong thing to do. You know, obviously results are always going to be dictated by results and people are frustrated when you've just gone and and drawn against Luton, you got you know being at Palace, being at being against Liverpool, and then and then you go out in the cup after being two 0 up, and maybe some of the some of the the way that he was talking in the post match press conferences kind of irks people. But it wasn't a great point to be it be at um, be in charge with Man City and Villa looming, and then you go and beat Man City, you draw against Aston Villa, you beat Bournemouth. I mean, you, you go on Monday Night Football. I don't know if you watched it, Liam, with with uh, with Jamie Carragher, and I thought he talked very, very well. I thought he, it, it was a, a fascinating insight. I thought we we already we already all I think all of us know, and we know why he got the job as well, is because tactically and his mindset and the detail he goes into games, I think is is superb. Whether he gave away a little bit too much on Monday Night Football, I, I'd be inclined to to say maybe, but at the same time, I, I can understand. From his point of view, you're making a name for yourself. You're making a name for Gary Neal. You want people want to know how you beat Manchester City, um, and I thought it was. Um, I thought he came across very eloquently and and spoke very very well. But just genuinely, you know, whether that that maybe that makes public perception nationally that's probably been lifted from that appearance. 
But locally and in Wolverhampton, I think that people have changed their tune pretty quickly. The kind of naysayers and the doom, you know, the, the doom mongers are, are kind of gone to the back of the queue now, and they're starting to get a little bit more um, confident. I think the players, I think the management, I think the international breaks have actually helped. I know that a lot of the players are away, but he's got time to to bed in, in and around the club, in the staff, in the facilities, in the players that are there. And you're starting to see, I think, finally, some really good results because he's having time to get his philosophies and his tactics and his, and his thoughts about the game across. Absolutely. Um, I think I'd slightly disagree with the Monday Night Football. I don't. I think he gave away probably just a, the right amount. Okay. Yes, it was quite detailed, but mm. there's going to be lots of things going into specific opposition that is going to be very specific to that game plan and that weekend and that game. And I, and I don't think it gives too much away. I think it gives a bit away on his on his thought process, but I don't think he gave too much. That was that was going. I mean, to it was it was a very it was, it was an excellent appearance. I thought. Yeah, it overall, was. It really, it really was. And and just to you know cover all those points that that you've mm. just gone through and, and and go back to Ipswich very briefly. Um, I've got no regret regrets over how we did that podcast because we had to no. reflect the fact that the, the the fans were were very angry at the time. Um, Wolves were poor on the night and it, and it was bad. But and this this isn't a I told you so moment, but maybe for you it is. Uh. I did I did say in that podcast I think Gary Neal will be here all season. And some you, people you might did have, say that some people might have been surprised at that. Now, I had seen enough in a couple of the performances. United on the opening day, first half at Liverpool, probably the main two. But in a couple of the performances to say there's something being built here. It's whether Gary O'Neill has got the time, the space and the results in the short term to be able to actually do it. Now, he's got some of that now with some of the results. Because he knows that, yes, Wolves can't keep playing well, but you can't keep losing every week and expect to be in the job. That's just the reality of modern football. But he's got that as a safety blanket buffer now, and you know games come in in batches, and he's got a new batch coming up that is going to going to be an equally difficult test. But I felt that there was enough detail and effort and work going into the werewolves are trying to get to to justify me saying that at the time. And I and I think I mean obviously it's a long season to go. I think it will justify <coughs> it now. And you've got to remember as well. And we spoke about this when when Gary Neal came in that. Within the game, within people in football, within coaches and players, Gary O'Neill had a, a, a pretty decent reputation. The Bournemouth job obviously played a massive part in that. But he was fairly well, highly thought of amongst people in football. And I think he's now starting to show the Wolf supporters the reason for that. And results are going to be paramount, as I've just said. But they've even gone and beat Bournemouth in a game where, as I alluded to already, 1-1, down to 10 men... Do I think Wolves would beat 10-man Bournemouth in maybe last season or season before? Probably not. They'd probably go on and draw that game or even lose that game. In previous season before that, losing to you know Huddersfield twice in the season, you know struggling to the to the to the smaller teams or the teams that are struggling within the, the league. Wolves, I'm hoping, are starting to turn a corner on that specific front as well. I think there's and as I say, there's going to be a time when Wolves are really going to struggle this season. They're going to go through three, four, five, six games maybe without winning. They're going to have bad runs, but I think there's enough here within this group and within Gary Neal as a coach that they'll be fine this season. And I'll stick to probably what my prediction was at the start of the campaign. I said around thirteenth, fourteenth. I'd probably mm. say that. They, I think they're capable of doing better than that. But on the on the whole, for a campaign, that I think that would be a success. And they're getting there slowly. 
That brings us straight on to the, um, the old Premier League table, Liam. Now, Wolverhampton Wanderers from absolutely nowhere sit 12th in the Premier League, which is great. But as everybody wants to know, and everybody listens to this episode four, um, and that's uh, that's 15,500 of you from the last episode, you want to know the Glob Mini League. Everybody wants to know, everybody's talking about on the streets, walking around Wolverhampton, what's going on with the Glob Mini League. Well, I'll tell you, Liam, should you want to know the latest Glob standings in the old Glob Mini League? I've missed it. Bring it on. Ah, okay, here we go. So the Glob Mini League of the mini league that we think Wolves are going to be in this season. We are taking away uh, Luton and Sheffield United, who, by the way, are huge bookies' favourites now to be the top, the, the, the bottom two who go down. We're taking them. We're not putting them in the mini league because we think they are down. So the idea is to finish towards the top of the mini league and then Wolves, of course, are going to be safe and avoid a relegation battle. And if you don't want to be near the bottom of it because then you're going to get pulled into... Uh, what could be uh, our last seven or eight games of, of nervously looking over your shoulder. So, top of the Glob Mini League, Crystal Palace played nine points, 12. Second in the Glob Mini League of the teams that we think are all a much of a muchness, it's Wolverhampton Wanderers, baby. They're right up at the top. How about that? How about that, Kino? Second in the Glob Mini League. Absolutely flying in the Glob. Flying in the glob. 11 from nine. <laughs> Ful- Fulham, 11 from nine. Brentford, 10 from nine. Forest, 10 from 9, Everton 7 from 9, and Burnley 4 points from 9. So obviously Burnley, Everton at the bottom of that Glob Mini League, Forest, we, we, I know I did say at the start of the season, I felt Brentford, albeit with their, you know, with, with an excellent season last year, could be in a bit of a battle. Tony has got to come back, but at the same time they are, they're below Wolves, as are Fulham, Palace were flying high, um, have now been pulled back into that range. So really good for Wolves ahead of... Uh, the game against Newcastle on Saturday evening. I mean, look, 12th, I think that's probably slightly fortuitous 12th, would you say, Liam? I agree with you. We both said 13th, 14th, end of the season. But if it's 12th, if it's 13th, if it's 14th, that's not going to have, that's not going to be a relegation battle. That's going to be somewhere where, okay, it's not particularly exciting, not particularly entertaining. They're not, not playing for Europe. They're not playing against relegation. But I think... And hearing from what the sounds coming out of Wolves at the start of the season and everything that happened, you know, right up until game week one, they'd be quite happy with that. Absolutely. I don't think it's fortuitous. I don't think that's the word I'd use. I think probably unexpected, considering the fixtures Wolves had, is, is the way I'd describe being 12th right now. But they've earned all the points that, that they've won so far. And, you know, there's, there's always gives and takes in there with the Premier League because they, they should have beaten... United, they probably should have beaten Liverpool based off that first half, or at least got something out of the game. Um, but then equally, they go and beat City, which no one would have been able to, to call. Yeah, um, Everton draw, game could have gone a different e- way. Exactly, draw at, at, at Luton, coming yeah. back from, you know, well, going going one, they were coming back from being 10, ten men down. So um, Villa could have been rather. a different story last yeah, week. Exactly. But so, you get that in the game. That, that, that's it, a season. Exactly, exactly. And, and it evens itself out with the teams, and, and teams by and large land... <laughs> Where they should land within within a season, so um, I don't. I wouldn't use the word fortuitous. I would just say slightly unexpected. I would expect Wolves to be, you know, a few points less than this based on the on, on the fixtures and, and the difficulty of the fixtures. But yeah, again, to, uh, again, well, testament to, to Gary Neal and the, and the team, mm-hmm. they've, uh, you know, the team and, and the job they've done. And then to your point just then, will Wolves be delighted with twelfth right now? Absolutely, and they should be because you cannot forget the context of the season and where Wolves were when Gary Neal walked in. The squad was short. They obviously they went on to then lose Nunes and 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 have a bit more of a um, 
a tumultuous end to the transfer window as well with a few players coming in and um and Gary Neal had four days before the United game you know it, it's it's been a very it, it, everything for Wolves going into the season had the makings of a team that is going to really struggle this year I don't we neither of us believed that we felt that they were going to be slightly better than that mm-hmm. but so far they've proved even slightly better than that so that proves how how well they've done and I still think they'll land around that but that should still be as you just said way above a relegation battle which I think would be a tremendous success for Gary Neal this season. There's a lot of um, a lot of conjecture. I'm not going to go too much into it, but a lot of um, a lot of rumours about Everton at this moment in time. I don't know if you've seen yes. that with their the FFP and potentially getting deducted twelve points. Um, and, and they're they're they I mean, if they deducted, that'd be a minus five, and there'd be a whole host of of trouble. And and I'm not going to go over all ground, Liam. But when we talked about the whole FFP situation in the summer and we tried to explain it and you know some people didn't agree some people thought um, it's all codswallop etc people didn't but we did say in a, in a, during a lot of those discussions Liam that the fact that Wolves and Matt Hobbs and Jeff Shee were unaware and there was a murky ground because they weren't ever, the likes of Everton the likes of Manchester City hadn't been accounted or held to account well the fact that these sort of Stories, whether truthful or not, whether it's this season or the next season, whether not at all, are starting to come up, and that these are the punishments now. It's not just a fine. Oh well, just take a million pound fine. Doesn't matter. Spend the money. If it is twelve million or twelve points, sorry, then goodness me, maybe they've made absolutely bang on the correct decision. Yeah, no, I, I think this will be a bigger discussion for us on the on the podcast, sure. and uh, if and when Everton. Yeah. Are found guilty of it because they're still fighting it. There's an independent panel that are going to come to to a decision on it. Um, but the stories at the moment, as you just said, are the the Premier League are pushing for a 12 point deduction if Everton are found guilty of it. The club maintain that they have adhered to the rules, but obviously that remains to be seen. And one of the points that we made in all of the reporting around this in the summer, which was a really important distinction and point to make, was that there was no precedent for a punishment. Wolves didn't know, again, pretty much what you've just said there, Wolves didn't know whether any club found guilty of breaching FFP was going to receive a million pound fine or a 10 point deduction and or anywhere in between. They had, they, there was no precedent for a team in the Premier League being found guilty and punished for it. Now, if Everton are found guilty and are given a 12 point deduction, which is a very, very hefty points deduction, which is, of course is going to act as, as a deterrent for other clubs as well, then that wholly justifies Wolves' approach this season to being incredibly careful and making a lot of very tough decisions. So I'll be really interested to see now what happens with Everton. Of course, it depends, as I say, on whether they are found guilty of it or not. But if they are and they and they get this big, big punishment, I mean, this is way above a slap on the wrist. This is a huge punishment for a Premier League club. Then Wolves are incredibly justified. And, and to be honest... In a weird way, quite yeah, vindicated and probably quite happy. Not because they necessarily want to see Everton go down. I think as long as Wolves stay up, they probably don't care what happens to Everton. But it proves that what the decisions and tough decisions that Wolves made in the summer were the right ones. So mm-hmm. I'll be watching on very, very, uh, mm. very keenly in the next few weeks to see see where this one goes. Absolutely. Uh, while I was away, Liam, uh, you published a little, a little a tease. Well, you had a little bit of a tease at the end of the last podcast, didn't we? Saying it could be some. Some uh, some very interesting developments in the next week or so. One of those was, of course, Jeff She being the new Express and Star columnist. Who would have thought it? Who would have thought it, Liam? Who would have thought it? I hope he's not on more than me and you. 
<laughs> well, regardless quid, of the column, two quid a week. Is. <laughs> so I wouldn't worry about that. <laughs> um, so no, he's not on anything. Uh, this look, this and the fact is, and it'll be discussed. This this was Jeff's idea. Jeff wanted to do it. Jeff wanted to speak to the local press. He wanted to speak to the the main local press, of course, the the number one uh, regional newspaper in the country, of course, the Express and Star um, from Wolverhampton Wanderers. And look, he could have done this quite easily. This could have been uh, with the club. He could have done it in the program, Liam. He could have done it online with Wolves. The fact that he wanted to come. Um, I guess it's like his comfort zone and be, and be open to um, the fans in, in terms of penning a quarterly column at this moment in time. It might be more frequently, but quarterly at this moment in time of his thoughts um, about everything in the world of football, obviously, you know, circled around and focused on Wolverhampton Wanderers itself. Um, I, I think it is great and I think he should be applauded for doing that. The, the content and is... And I think you can see, by the way, that it was published, not edited whatsoever. It's not been edited by Wolves. It's not been edited by uh, by our editors here. It's it's the thoughts of Jeff Shee. And whether you agree with it, whether you whether you like it or not, it's not going to be fo- completely focused on the nitty gritty of Wolverhampton Wanderers and the insights and, and telling you absolutely everything that's going on behind the scenes every single you know three or four months. I think that's I don't think we, no no one expected that. But there was some very interesting stuff in there, Liam, and also some general thoughts as well about his time, about moving country, about about Wolverhampton Wanderers, about the city itself, about about playing playing as Woking on Champ Man. I mean, this this it was all over the place. But into but I kind of liked it. I kind of liked the thoughts of the chairman, and I'm sure he'll become more focused in in you know subsequent editions. Uh, but at the same time, fair play for him doing it, and obviously penning it, penning it, and putting it in the newspaper. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's an unprecedented situation for a Premier League chairman to be using the the local newspaper for a column. You know, these these things don't happen in in modern football. So, um, it it was certainly unexpected to to get the call and say that um, that this, as you say, this was Jeff's idea, something he wanted to do. He wanted to have a voice with the supporters. Um, he chose us as the as the outlet to do that, and and of course we accepted because it's as I say unprecedented. It's a, it's a it's a bit of a coup for us, of course, to have him um, have him doing this. You've already made the point, but just to reiterate them and something we did in the video when we put out the the teaser the, the night before it came out as well is that this isn't an interview. This isn't us sitting down with Jeff and having involvement in what he says. This is him writing it himself. And, and, and penning it you know he is sitting in his office and writing this himself whereas other columns are ghost written by the journalist who might ring someone up and and and, and you know speak to them and, and put it into into their words so um yeah there will be I think maybe it's a little bit different to what some people expected that there will be more his general thoughts there will be a few topics that he might bring up that will be a little bit left field at times but equally there was a few messages in there that he was you know Subtle, but was trying to get out. I think some of the the major ones being around finances and where Wolves were in the summer, and then equally players and a manager that wanted to to be at Wolves and wanted to to take the club forward. I think there was a few quite key messages around that as well. So it'd be really interesting going forward. As you say, it's quarterly at the moment, but you know, knowing Jeff, he might he might ring up uh, or or get someone to ring up on his behalf and uh, decide he's going to do something next week. We, we, we don't know, but at the moment it's quarterly. And um, it'd be interesting if and when Wolves are in a really good time or a really bad time on the pitch, whether he, you know, might go into a bit more detail on that. So, yeah, I, I, albeit some fans might be disappointed not to have loads of football-related stuff specifically. You know, this isn't Matt Hobbs, who of course is the the football guy at Wolves now. This is Jeff doing this, and and there's going to be some more general stuff in there as well. But 
to have more communication from the chairman who has been fairly quiet in the last couple of years, I think can only be a good thing going forward. And, and hopefully there's a few more messages to come out from it. I'll tell you what's not a good thing going forward, Liam, because I was, I was, where was I? I was wandering around. I was going between the Bellagio and the Wynn onto my poker tournament and it's beautiful sunshine. I'm happy. Um, I'm enjoying life. I've got the shades on. Uh, the walkways are full of people drinking, having fun during the daytime. Plenty of plenty of sights to be seen, and I look onto my phone and I'm scrolling around and and there's Mr. Liam Keane who puts a tweet out or an XR, whatever you want to call it these days, and I was crestfallen. I was disgusted. I almost threw up inside my mouth. Wolverhampton Wanderers are in talks. Well, maybe not in talks, but the Premier League are looking at Wolverhampton Wanderers versus Chelsea for Christmas Eve fixture. Um. First of all, I've never heard of this kid before who was reporting this. Absolute, <laughs> absolute dreadful joke of a journalist. But apparent, apparently, he's, he used to have a tick next to his name, so he's important. And um, um, so I had to read it. I read it again. I rubbed my eyes. And what's the situation, Mr. Liam Keane? I'm absolutely stunned. A little bit disgusted, to be honest, that the Premier League would even um, think about this. Um, to put a game on on Christmas Eve, we all, I mean, look, I don't need to explain the situation around that, but it's a reality that this has got a very good chance of happening. I know it hasn't been announced as of yet, but could we be working on Christmas Eve, Wolverhampton Wanderers versus Chelsea at Molyneux, Liam? It certainly looks that way. So, yes, as as I'd reported at the time, um, Wolves' game with, uh, at home, fortunately for us. Uh, All right, to, can you imagine? I, I, mean, I, I can't believe it. Go to, on. Uh, to Chelsea, currently as it stands, is 3 o'clock on Saturday the 23rd, but is, um, is, is looking to move to 1 o'clock on Sunday the 24th of December. So this will be the first time that a top-flight English game has been played on Christmas Eve since 1995. It'd be the first time since 1966 that Wolves would have played uh, a league game on Christmas Eve. And everything that I understand, you know, speaking to contacts and, and obviously releasing the stories, that it's pretty much a done deal. You know, this is happening. And I've got no criticism of either club because there's very little either club can do once the Premier League um, yeah. want to... Uh, to cash in and um, and, and get the, the TV... Cash, cash in being the right word, by the way. Yeah, exactly. And I'll come on to that in a second as well. But um, cash in and get the you know get the money, uh, get the, the TV rights, sorry, for, for this game to be played. I think it's going to be Sky, as far as I'm aware, but um, at least one of the broadcasters taking this game on. Um, I, as far as I'm aware, it's been pretty much a done deal for, well, since I reported it, which was almost a week ago now. Um, I had heard that they were looking to announce it early this week. And we're now recording on Thursday morning, and it hasn't been announced yet. <coughs> so that begs the question, and I did that tweet at the time on Friday as well, uh, after the story had come out, begs the question of whether the Premier League are going to look at the backlash from the supporters and supporter groups and media and pundits um, from across the game and are going to backtrack on this. Now, one part of me wants them to backtrack because I think it's a, I think it's a disgraceful move to, to move uh, the game to, to Christmas Eve. But then part of me doesn't want them to backtrack because I want fans and clubs and pundits and players and everyone to see that some of these decisions that the Premier League are making are 
regardless of how it would impact fans and with fans at the very bottom of their priority list is to cash in and make as much money as possible and to build the brand. Um, football has and always will be built and made for the supporters and the idea of any team and any sets of fans and, and this is what this is I think I'm terribly sorry to the person who tweeted me this because I can't remember who it was or the name but someone tweeted this to me in response and I thought it was a great way of summing it up forcing people to choose between seeing their kids on Christmas Eve or their season ticket and that's for both sets of fans. Obviously, Chelsea have got it slightly worse because they've got to travel from London up to up to Wolverhampton. But for Wolves fans as well, you're choosing between seeing your kids on Christmas Eve or going and watching the club that you love. I yeah. think it's a I people think it's live a, all over the country, Liam, as well. You know, it's not just well, in Wolverhampton. That as well, as well. I, I think it's a I think it's a disgraceful decision, um, and it's not just because we would rather not work on Christmas Eve. It's, that's got very very little to do with it. I think the fans are massively impacted, and unfortunately. The last to be considered, and and both supports groups, uh, supports trusts for for both teams, um, have uh, have come out and condemned it as I expected them to. The supporters association coming out and condemning it as I expected them to. Um, but this isn't a criticism of either club. There's very little they can do once the Premier League have um, have snapped a fixture up. Um, I'm just very keenly again watching now to see whether the Premier League are going to announce, and it could very well be today. You know, mm-hmm. we don't know when they're, when they're going to announce it. Or whether they will backtrack on it and, um, and and not move it at all, or keep it on the same day, or, or keep it you know, a day before or Thursday, whatever it might be. Um, but regardless of what the Premier League announce now, I'd like to make this clear to supporters. Regardless of what they announce, whether the game has moved or hasn't to the twenty fourth, um, and whether they um, whether they talk in any announcement about the, the 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 story I put out at all, I'd like to make it absolutely clear to supporters that this was one hundred percent the plan that the Premier League had going forward and if they backtrack on it now it's purely because they were, they've been terrified of the of the backlash so I'm, I'm very interested to see what they're going to do and if and when this gets announced Liam and we're both in exact of exactly the same opinion this is pretty disgusting really absolutely disgusting for for families where you know whether you're in a family whether you, you, you joint parents whether you're single parents whatever the fact that you can host a game on Christmas Eve is despicable by the Premier League. Now, I would never, ever, ever talk about any kind of a of a boycott or a demonstration or anything like that. I'll be I'll be honest, Liam. If people decided to boycott this game en masse, I would be fully behind it. Because that's the only way some of these lo- and I know it's going to a worldwide audience or whatever, and maybe they don't care about that and maybe but but the fact that people will be taken away and have that decision to even having the decision to make liam is is pretty sickening and i would be you know if if that's talked about or whatever we will definitely cover it because i'm not saying if people don't want to do it then they don't have to do it but i can understand people boycotting this game and there will be definitely people who won't turn up to the game because they want to be with their families and if that becomes something that's en masse, that, that people want to talk, that becomes you know a, a thing that, that they want to show um, unison and unity about, then then fair enough, because that is the lowest of the low for me. I, I completely agree. I think boycotting the game would be, from a financial point of view, would hurt Wolves than it would do the Premier League. But from a purely optics PR point of view, 
the Premier League would want to avoid that at all costs, I believe. Well, they're getting the season and, tickets anyway, and the season tickets yeah. are paid for. That's most of this stadium, Liam. It, it, so it, is, not... it is most, but of course, there is still footfall with, with the other tickets. There's, yeah, you know, yeah there's, of course. You know, buying drinks and, and food from the stands. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's lots of things that Wolves would... Um, would it, it would harm them financially more than it would do the Premier League. But I think, and to be honest, I, I, I'm speaking for Wolves here, and I've not asked anyone at the club this, but I would guess that some, there'd be plenty of people at Wolves that would probably... Um, be quite pleased if fans boycotted it. Um, I agree. I, I don't think everyone would be, don't get me wrong, but I think there would be some people that would be quite pleased to see I fans would show their power. I, I certainly would be one of them as well. Um, we, we, we've seen fan power work in the past, haven't we, with the, the, the European Super League, um, when fans come together and prove their importance and their power, it does work. If I'm honest, I don't think it'll happen. Um but I would, I would, I would, I would encourage you. I would, I would love to see that, and I would, I would love to see the message sent. Um, and at that point, you know, the Premier League would have the tail between their legs, um, and and probably go back to some degree on uh, on what they've done and said. But I, yeah, um, I, I would massively encourage that. I, I think it's probably unrealistic, but um, we'll, we'll we'll see how the next few days and weeks go, and and if and when they announce it, which is for me the the next step in in this story. Uh, I'm not saying this because um, it's just a segue onto the from the Premier League. But how would you like Liam a five-piece knife set, including a bread knife, chef knife, wow. carving knife, utility knife, and a and, and a paring knife, providing essential food preparation tools from kettleandtoasterman.co.uk? I mean, it sounds delightful. Bring it on. Stainless steel blades, the highly constructed blades, cut effortless, effortlessly through a variety of meats, vegetables, and fruits. Um, a beautiful design, comfortable grip. Ensures safe and efficient food prep. Steel knife block as well. The highly durable knife block neatly and safely stores the knife set on your kitchen countertop. Ready for Halloween, ready for scream, ready for stab to come out. Um, I hope you're watching some Halloween movies because whatever you do, don't leave the knives on the front on the front table when there's a, a ghostly figure there. You know what's going to happen. You know where the ending is. Put them away. Put them under lock and key. How much are you paying? £25, Liam. £25, baby. Is that all it is? Yeah, 25 quid. On sale, that. on clearance. Kellentoastman.co.uk To be fair, I need some. I might have to, I might have to get on the website. <sighs> Talking about Halloween, I'm furious. Liam, Saturday against Newcastle, I'm furious. I'm furious. Oh, go on. What's wrong? Well, I may or may not have been invited to a certain little mixer party, not not just at the uh, uh, kind of like um, hired club that's already decorated for these parties, but maybe some, maybe one of the one of the stars' houses, personal houses for a housewarming and a, an intimate gathering, which is which is which is a fancy dress as well. I mean, we're going to a Christmas party, that's fine, but this is um, this is this is this is V exclusive. There's, there's a couple of people there, Liam, who I know you have been quite um, excited to meet potentially. Uh, one who maybe with the initials DL, um, who you are, <laughs> Mate, who you, don't. who you are quite <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, one of those little pop stars. You, yeah. no, I've just said the initials. That's poor from you. <laughs> who may or may not be there. But, uh, <laughs> 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 you like the music, don't you, Dua Lipa? Yeah, yeah. yeah anyway, but um, and, and look, like so, so got invited and. Um, you know, I like to dress up from time to time. You might have seen my scar costume from last year. Um, One of the most terrifying have... things I've ever seen. <laughs> and that was just the video at 4am that I sent you. Kino. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the permission to play that once on Twitter. But maybe when I'm leaving the company. It could be sooner rather than later. And, wow. Um, and um, 
and so yeah, so I've got to, I've got to miss it because it's a five thirty. If it was a three o'clock kickoff, I could have made it. But five thirty, Alana's going to go without me, and I'm back at home covering the game and looking after the dogs. You'd be you gone, are. wouldn't you? You'd be gone. I wouldn't miss the game for it. You know, I don't I don't miss games for for anything really. Um, I'm waiting for you to to laugh or scoff. Um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't miss the game for it. I yeah. I would probably go straight down after the game straight there. Oh yeah, I know. I know. Why well, the chance? But then it'll be like half ten, and then the game's kind of finishing over yeah, three o'clock kickoff. But ten ten thirty is a little bit late. So, um, so yeah, I'm gonna have to look after the dogs. I'm on dog sitting duty. So yeah, bad times, bad times. Right, some quick questions, very quick, and then we'll uh, we'll take the. Um, how long you got, Liam? Left. Uh, as long as you and the the listeners want me. Oh, before, wow. before I go and view a house okay. that may or may not be good enough, and you know my whole life spiralling. But it's fine. Just 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 go. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. It's all good. Oh dear. For as long as they want you. Okay, here we go. That's been great. Have a great weekend. No, I'm only kidding. Okay, here we go. Chris Fisher says, uh, what else player do you think would sneakily shark at the tables or the poker tables? Do you think it would be a, a quite a pretty pretty good play with the poker tables? What do you think, I think I think this one's for you, mate, to be honest. You, you'll know better than I will. Uh, I'm going to say a little bit. I'm going to say Jose Sar's got a little bit about him. I'm going to say Sar knows, knows his way around a, a pack of cards, mate. Okay, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I can see, see Jose Sard in there. Um, Jonathan Giddings, did Jun Lopetegui underestimate what he could have done with this team? Well, it's really... I quite like this question, and, and there's a couple like it as well, but they are quite difficult to answer because... We're doing Fast and Furious answering, by the way, but carry on. Uh, let, me, yeah, let, me, let me be quick. I, I, to be honest, I, I'm not sure, and that sounds weird because they're doing it okay now um, and doing quite well, actually, but I, I could understand Lopetegui's reasons for being concerned because mm-hmm. they weren't making signs, they're losing a lot, of, a lot of players, etc. And obviously, his reputation's important to him. So, I kind of get it, to be honest. And, and, and I would say as well that Lopetegui wouldn't be happy with where we've, what we've been discussing That's and, and finishing point. 12th, 13th, 14th as well. It wasn't. This wasn't. Oh, I'm going to get relegated. I don't want to be in a relegation battle. This was. I want to be. I want to be challenging for the European positions. Minimal. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. Yeah. Fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth is where I want to be. I don't want to be below that. Now, you're not giving me the tools to do that. So I think it's. You know, probably more on that point. Vicky Lawson, Fabio Silva will be moved on in January, surely, with a replacement coming. I've backed him since he joined, but have to admit now he just isn't good enough for the Premier League, is he? Yeah, there's actually another question. Again, I'm sorry, I forget the the, the name of the person. I'm trying to find it as well. Um, I saw that. I think someone asked about whether Nathan Fraser was ahead of him now, whether Fabio was fourth choice. Um, So just to to bring those two questions together. Um, Susie Beard as well is saying, what do you think will happen with, with Fabio? And Sarabu in January window, do you see them yeah. moving on? So those all combined. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think Fraser's ahead of him yet. Um, I think there's been a couple of messages sent, particularly with the, the Ipswich game when when Gary you know, brought Fraser on ahead of him, but did bring Fabio on as well. Um, definitely a few messages sent, um, but I don't think he's ahead of him as of yet. Uh, has Gary Neal been particularly pleased with Fabio, clearly not because he gave him a chance early on. Has brought him out again, unused sub quite a lot at the moment. I think he will get a chance before the January window. It's just how much of a chance, how prolonged an opportunity he gets, and whether he takes it or not. And if and when that chance does or doesn't come, and if he doesn't or doesn't does or doesn't take it, it will you know have a big impact on January. And to be honest, if he's not playing or not playing well, I can see the player wanting to. To, to move on so um, it's probably moving in that direction but equally Wolves also don't want to lose too many players and they 
need to make one or two additions, arguably. So there's a few moving parts to this one, but I, I would say probably at this stage probably does look for a move, but it depends on whether he gets a chance or not. And with Sarabia, to be honest, I'd be surprised if he goes anywhere. Um, right now, again, you know, not sort of looked into it in, in depth, but purely based on how he's playing, he's not mm. playing well at all. And well, he's not playing much, and then when he does play, he's not playing well at all. So it, it, it's, it's not going great. Um, but he is part of the leadership group. He is um, an experienced player. I think Wolves would, would want to keep him for the season at least. But, you know, it's um, you also need to, to show something on the pitch. Yeah. Um, a few people asking this. Uh, given our current reform, will a 17th place finish still be seen as a successful season for us, or will that now be seen as a disappointment? Yeah, I think, you know, there's a, as there always is when there's a little bit of success, I think some supporters get very excited, which I can understand. You know, we, we're both football fans and we want, you know, our teams to do well. And um, and obviously, as a, you know, as a Wolves fan reporting on Wolves, I've got to try and stay objective and, and look at the season and the context. And to be honest, anything. Staying in, avoiding relegation, staying in the league is a success for Gary O'Neill this season. I think. I think you base it on the context. If Wolves are, I don't know, if they're tenth by uh, January and then they finish seventeenth, yeah, disappointing second half of the season. I get it. Yeah. But from the overall, you know, context of going into the campaign, I think anything staying in the league has to be deemed as a success. It's just the varied degrees of, of success. Well, some got a great record of dropping off at the end of the season. To be honest, I mean, oh, I remember yeah, when. Buzzing. Crikey, crikey. But look, you know, from a, from a stock point of view, if they were 10th, 11th, 12th, and then they finished 17th, then, you know, realistically, from a fan base point of view, you you need to start the next season well, don't you? Because the fans are kind of frustrated at, at the end of the last 10, 11 games. And if you don't start well and you, and you, you know, you, you start poorly, then of course people are going to be back at your door. Look at Bruno, look at them. They were in and around the Champions League spots and then had a, a terrible fall off, albeit they finished mid table in the end. Um, and then he didn't get much longer at the start of next season, did he? So it, it can change very quickly. But what you want to be is a little bit more consistent and and kind of finish strong eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth. Wouldn't you? Would be would be would be a fantastic season, I think, from where they were. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, th- I think that would um, that be an excellent an excellent finish. And then anything avoiding the job would be would be ideal. Is it important we be Newcastle knowing we may go to Sheffield United as charity FC? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably going to happen at some point. Isn't it? Oh, it's Wolves going to happen, are, isn't it? Wolves aren't going to win every game, is it? No. You know, and, and they will, I'm sure, hand three points over to a team who's struggling. Um, Wolf, obviously, this, we don't want this to happen, and, and this isn't the ambition. But Wolves could could lose the next two games, and they're still in a decent position. So it's not that you take your foot off the gas, but I don't think there's any immediate concerns over the next couple of games. It's trying to stay consistent in the blocks of games and getting results. So. Uh, they've got plenty of opportunities to come, and, and I don't think for any minute they will lose the next two. But I don't think there's loads of pressure on on Newcastle because of the next one. Plans for Halloween, Liam? Uh, it's actually my mum's birthday. My mum, my mum's birthday is the thirty first, and it's her sixtieth. Oh wow! So, yeah, so I am big trick it. or treating um, family keen trip down up and down the street. <laughs> Definitely not. No, Spectacular. There's two reasons we weren't massively into into Halloween as. I mean, we did a little bit of trick or treating, a little bits here and there, but mm. the massively into Halloween was one, it being my mum's birthday, yeah. um, and two, we're not uh, losers. So uh, what? <laughs> what? Sorry, what? So what? you've offended the whole American nation last week, and now you're saying anyone who trick or treats are losers this week? Yeah, well, part what are you of doing? Joke, it's more to do with it. Again, it's more the American side. You know, they love Halloween over there, and they're just a bit yeah. Oh, it's absolutely astonishing. It's embarrassing, isn't it? Absolutely. Ah. 
Astonishing. Well, we, we, I'm not a big Halloween person either, mate, so I won't be doing too much. Yeah, of course you not. We, we got back, um, yes, I got back yesterday morning. The holograms outside the house are already going. Um, I've got, there's about 11 skeletons on our drive at this moment in time. Um, we've also got lights man. going up to the door. Um, I'm going to put the spiderweb up later on. Um, and we've got full-size candy, chocolate for everyone who will be coming. I will be dressing up. I will be scaring people. There will be a live-action show going on during um, the Halloween evening from about 6 p.m. till about 11 p.m. Um, and I will be... Um, well, I'm going to be hiding behind one of the gates as well. I'm going to stay there out most of the night for four or five hours and just moving as they leave the driveway, just to give them that little bit of a scare at the end of their, their chocolate fest. How's that? Like I say, it's, it's pretty much low-key. I'll come pay you a visit if you want. I mean, it has to be quite fleeting, considering it is my mum's 60th birthday. But um... Anything for a full-size four-finger Kit Kat, baby. Everyone right, has exactly. four fingers. You love four fingers. Wow. Um, so all of that Halloween stuff, bear in mind that you are a grown man. You are a 52-year-old wow. grown man Wow. Who loves Halloween. You're disgusting. Look, just because I moisturise and I can pass for 32 and not 42, that's, that's, that's by the by. Um, I'm going to get you some. I'm going to get you some grooming products for Christmas. How's that? I, I don't need any. I look. I know. I, I, I look after my skin. I look after myself. I'm very well groomed. All good. <laughs> Upstairs or downstairs, lad? It's the same answer. <laughs> oh dear. Can Gary O'Neill get as a, a top half finish? Says FCT Louis. Can he? Yes. Will they? Um, I'm not saying definitely no, but I, I still stick with my my. Prediction: I think Wolves will have tough times this season and go, and they'll probably fluctuate a little bit. Um, just be happy that it's not going to be. Well, what I think it won't be is a stressful season. Well, let's let's uh, let's take stock this year and, and plan for next year. Hopefully, uh, last one. Uh, Gracie says, uh, "Did you win the poker tournament?" Yes, I was. So I was playing a big WPT event um, at the at the Win Casino, Liam. Um, which no, some people won't know what I'm talking about, but basically, if you win the tournament, which was about. 550 people, I think, entering. Um, then I would have won about 80 grand, which is useful. Useful. And I did say that if I won the tournament, I would pay for the barbecue regardless. Liam, I didn't win the tournament. I didn't win the tournament. Oh, buzzing. Uh, I came out 90th, which wasn't great. Um, for, for the people who do like poker, I'm not going to bore people to death, but I'll give you 30 seconds of poker knowledge. Um, I was chip leader in the tournament, or second chip leader in the tournament over. So I, I had loads and loads of chips. Um, didn't really want to get involved in too many big hands. I always like nine ten suited. It's kind of a hand that I like to raise on. So I put a small raise in with nine ten of clubs. Uh, got called three times. Flop comes seven of clubs, eight of clubs, two of hearts. So it's kind of the dream flop. I don't know if you know much about poker, Liam, but basically I do actually. seven, eight, nine, ten of clubs. I'm basically up and down, straight flushing. It's a huge hand. It's one of the. It's, it's a massive hand. So. There's a guy who's basically on the same table as me who's got pretty much as many chips as me. He's the chip leader of the whole tournament as well. Didn't really want to be on the same table he was. I, I raise. Even though I haven't got a hand at this moment in time, the likelihood of me having a stonker is massive. He re-raises me. I, I re-raise him back. This is on the flop. He goes all in. Everybody goes, chip leaders, chip leaders are, are battling here, dueling. I can't, I can't fold my hand. I've got to go all in as well. He's got... Three of a kind, three tens. I've got an up and down straight flush, and we all know why I didn't win the tournament because the, um, the I didn't hit the straight, I didn't hit the flush, and in the end I had uh, ten high. So not great, not great, Bob. 
but that's that's what happens. That's what happens in the world of poker. We more than made up for it on the tables and in cash, so it's all good. Uh, last one, Liam. Let's have a look. Um, Molecules of You says, can we just appreciate these guys? And they talk about Huang Shan, who's um, sixth in the Premier League table of Premier League goal scorers. Only people who've scored more Premier League goals in this season. Haaland, Salah, Son, Bowen and Isak. That is it. And of course, top of the shop on the assists, Pedro Neto. As many as Kieran Trippier and more than James Madison, Ollie Watkins, Kufal, Salah. I mean, it's fantastic to see these two at the top of charts. We haven't seen Wolves goal scorers or, or assist makers at the top of, top of the charts for, well, some, seems like years, Liam. Absolutely. Um, you remember, you know, a few weeks back, we were talking about Huang and his form. And my, my sort of challenge to him on the poddy was getting 10 goals this season. And he's four away. So um, <laughs> it didn't, didn't take long. I mean, 10 league goals would be ideal. Obviously, he'd scored five in the League One in the Cup. But still, it's um, it, it's been excellent. And then Neto, I mean, his performances alongside the... the goal, he's only had the one goal, obviously, but the assists as well. I mean, he's been he's been magnificent. So it's it's good to see numbers. That's been Wolves' biggest problem for, for such a long time now. Um, and if you can try and get... Q, I mean, if Cunha can get, I don't know, even eight league goals this season alongside... Hopefully, Huang and Neto's numbers being consistent, um, that would be that would be pretty decent, to be honest, for for where Wolves need want to be and need to be going forward. So it's uh, it's in, going in the right direction, put it that way. Um, Wolves Newcastle five thirty kickoff, frustratingly uh, on Saturday. Liam, what we're we looking like team wise, uh, some interesting conundrums, I guess, and not not just in formation, but of course you've got people who are who are returning from suspension in the likes of. Uh, Lamina is Lamina is back, but straight to four yellow cards, I believe. Correct. Um, we've got, of course, Nelson Semedo back, and I thought Matt Doherty had a really good game. Um, and then Belgard, what's his situation? He, he's had a minor muscle injury, so we need to to, to find out a bit more on, on where he is. Mm-hmm. You know, is he available? And also, Bueno has obviously had a little bit of a, a small yeah. issue as well. So, so those two are question marks as it stands. But question know, marks. But let, let's say let's say they're back in back in the mix. Um, I don't think Belagar will come back into this side. I don't think. But but um, of course, Tommy Doyle did did himself um, plenty of favors coming on at half time and, and did a great job. Jao Gomez came off at half time. You've got Bubakar Traore, who may or may not keep his place. So, where do you see it in terms of formation? I think they'll go three at the back. I think they'll stick to three. Um, and also, probably uh, midfielders and, and the right back uh, battle. I'm sure the front three are, are as they were. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it'll be the 5 2 3 or 3 4 3, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it, um, formation. I think, yeah, I think it'll be that again. So yeah, you've got Doherty fighting. I thought he played really well, as, as you just said there. Uh, you've got Booba maybe asking a couple of questions. Tommy Doyle, you've got all these players. Um, and I think Wolves will name the same starting eleven they did against City and Villa. <laughs> so oh, okay, okay. So there you go. Oh, you see, you think you think Doc comes out and Smeda back in, yeah? I think Smeda back in for Doc. I think Lamina comes straight back into the eleven. Jao Gomez keeps his place, and uh, the rest of it is as expected. Bubakar um, unlucky to if, if he played ninety minutes I, or I think, not. I think there's a couple of them there that'll be unlucky to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think. Gary Neal will go back to trial and tested, and mm-hmm. I think he's happy with the sort of midfield blend with Lamina and and uh, and, and Jao Gomez at the moment. I think he I think he sticks with that. Um, yeah, there's definitely a couple that are knocking on the door and will feel a little bit hard done by to not start. But I think because Samedo and Lamina was suspensions and they're back in, I think I think they do come back into the starting eleven. So 
so yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely not as cut and dry as I'm probably making out. I just I do mm-hmm. think that's that's what he's going to go with. Uh, by the way, I love Gary O'Neill um, talking about potential changes in the team. Uh, for him to name, you know, pretty much the exact team that we that we said with with no players apart from the ones suspended missing. Uh, I know Bellegard missed the, the squad, but I don't think he was ever in that starting lineup. I'd love to see Gary O'Neill's um, um, posture as he left the. Um, the Vitality Stadium on uh, on Saturday. Do you think he was um, uh, sad to sad that he, um, he he just inflicted a three points um, three points on his own old club, or do you think he was um, he was quietly happy? Do you think? <laughs> well, as we predicted, he said all the right <laughs> things before <laughs> and after, but I can of course almost guarantee that he was oh, mate. absolutely delighted. He was on the back of that bus leaving that stadium and he had a middle finger and he literally did not le- let that middle finger uh, put it down until he left that, that that long drive going, cheers, boys. Thanks very much. See you later. Why, why not as well? Why not? Uh, superb. Um, right, I'll go for a prediction. I'm going to say it's going to be Wolverhampton Wanderers 2. And Newcastle are going to Desmond it, baby. It's 2-2. Two, two. Obviously two, played two. last night. 2-2. Two, two. Obviously they played last night. Um, I think this is a game where Wolves are on, the, you know, pretty... Pretty high on confidence at the moment in time. I think they approach it. I think that the um, the same kind of vigor that they did against Newcastle um, against Manchester City, and I think that Newcastle, if they take a slight dip, which they have done slightly after after um, after Champions League games, and if Wolves were amongst them early, I think they can do something. I don't think they beat them as such. I think it's, I think it's a winnable game, but I'm going to say two two on this occasion. Actually, I think that going into Sheffield United will be a very decent result, and I'll take that. I'm going to say two two. I'm also going to give away the Morphe Richards knife set and the away blue kit graffiti if Liam Keane is correct in his score. Well, you'll remember I said for Bournemouth, I said 3-0, which obviously was wrong, but the reasoning mm. for that was that I felt that Wolves were going to overcome the the hump of failing to, to beat the struggling teams and they mm. would go and, and, and blow them away. Yeah. They didn't quite do that, but they did win the game. Correct. So I'm going to go with maybe maybe what some people wouldn't expect in this game. Ooh. Oh, Newcastle. I've got Isak and Murphy probably injured. They both came yeah. off, didn't they, last night? And yeah. I think they're probably very serious doubts at, at mm-hmm. the very least. They've got three days to prepare for the game. They do. They're travelling to Wolves. They're travelling to to, to to Wolverhampton. I think Ooh. Ooh. it's got the makings Ooh. of a Wolves two 0 win. Oh, I love that. I love that, Keno. Take a first half lead. It's a bit oh. nervy at times, and you get a yeah. late second. Oh, mate. Now, that would be worth missing this party for, a 2 0 Wolves win. Well, me and you would go have our own party if, we, if it's 2 Oh, two-nil. I love that. I love that. Uh, that's probably not a good idea, mate. Talking about some of our pre season trips is probably not good. <laughs> well, not good for the wallet, anyway. Definitely not. 2 uh, 0. I absolutely love it. Um, fantastic. Um, like I say, Get yourself uh, tweeting that. Get yourself, get the word out there. And of course, you'll be entered into the draw to win that magnificent prize. Keno, it's great to be back. I hope you find the house of your dreams this afternoon with your lovely other half. You are you are good to me. I appreciate I that. Let's, let's see how it goes. If not, I'll be I'll be living with you. So maybe maybe I don't want to find a place. I will. I'll, I'll. I'll. I'll put the deposit down for you, lad. Okay. Just, just, I don't want you anywhere near this street. Um, I'll see you. We'll both see you tomorrow uh, for the press conference as well uh, from uh, from Compton Park, and of course on Saturday for the big one: Wolves against Newcastle. Uh, from Liam, from me. Have a great weekend. Fingers crossed. Three points. We'll see you soon. Take care. Have a bye. We're on our way back.